and welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower, Lower Level. I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And Moshi, I'm just here to eat my artichoke. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Oh, who said that? Do you know what it is? I associate reality artichokes with Kris Jenner. She has a, a whole a stranglehold on artichokes in the reality TV world. So it's always hard for me to think of anybody else eating an artichoke that's not a Jenna Kardashian. Well, it was it was the one that looks like them. That feels a bit racist. <laughs> Clarified. Maybe let's like pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> the one that looks like them, not the one. Dorit, Dolores. Sorry, Dolores. No, not Dolores. <laughs> she was. She she like toes the line between what race am I? Do you know what I mean? Like, and she's got that butt now. So these are all valid guesses can i just say i mean by no means is this word on the street but there was a video circulating this week of ramona singer being interviewed and they were reminding her of the feud that she had with dolores and the way that she thought they were talking about giselle and not dolores like oh my god but you know, from one African sister to another, it makes. I know. Sense. Like you can't blame Ramona for that one. <laughs> no, no, truly. I mean, I don't want to give her a pass, but that's a pass. Which brings me back to the artichoke mystery: the one that looks like them. Yes, Garcel. Looks like a Kardashian. What? <laughs> she looks like Kyle Richards as well. Who knows, Moshi, what I'm talking about? No one. Literally no one. <laughs> well, I mean. I think Garcelle lives in Calabasas, I think. And I feel like, oh, maybe she doesn't, but I just feel like she's Calabasas adjacent. And I feel like artichoke eating is perhaps Calabasas. I mean, they are all Calabasas adjacent. Like, the way that the internet is always, like, rename it to the Real Housewives of Encino because none of them actually even live in Beverly Hills. Kyle does, though, right? No, she lives in Encino, which is in the valley. Yeah, but I, I didn't think Kyle did. I thought she... I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but it doesn't matter. No, Kyle, okay. Kyle her, new, her latest house is in Encino, and down the road is Dorito. Yeah, I knew Dorito lived in Encino. Every time I hear Encino, I just think of Encino Man. Do you even know what that movie is? Was that before your time? It was much before my time. Well, it's Brendan Fraser. Anyway, you should, yeah, consider looking it up and watching it. It's a historical artifact. (laughs) Not the historical artifact. Before we, we maybe go too deep into life in Encino, This week, we are talking about uh, episode six of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, episode six of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, episode three of Our Queens from Dubai. But before we get into all of that, Patty, what's the word on the street? Look, it's a bit of a stupid word on the street this week. I just tried to find the headlines that were the craziest, The, the word that was just stupid in my opinion. Okay. And so we're going to talk about first this Real Housewives of Vancouver reunion. Oh, my God. So the season two concluded, like, 
10 years ago. Before your time. Like, literally, I was I barely a sparkle in my mother's eye, as they would say. 100%. And I don't know, someone thought that we should bring these women back together. And it's not just going to be the women from season two. They're going to have some from season one as well because there was a bit of like a cast cast change between the two seasons. And in fact, season two didn't even get a reunion because they put their episodes towards actual like actual episodes, not the reunion, because there was so much drama. I mean, and by so much drama, I mean it was just like a mess. I mean, I want to know whose idea it was for this reunion because I'm going to be really honest, all of them have had pretty shit lives post The Real Housewives and it's like, they must be desperate for money. That's the only way you would have this reunion. Maybe they're gearing up towards something. Maybe they're going to try and, like, relaunch they Canadian not. Housewives. I mean, I think I think relaunch Canadian Housewives, um, but, like, not with that cast. I reckon they should do something like Real Housewives of, like, Alberta or something. Some, like, yeah. real country town realness i'm even down for like quebec or montreal like give us something french and the thing is like those areas like it's very they're very quirky like i watch a lot of there's like a few tv shows that are on like sbs in australia you know the public television broadcasters and they are quirky af and i want quirk well I just well, know that this is all Jody. I hope she's okay. I told you what happened to her daughter, right? What happened to her daughter? So, okay, so here, here's a hot... Here's story. the word on the street. <laughs> there are three seasons of The Real Housewives of Vancouver. They are all available on Hey You for everybody. Oh, who well, actually, there's outside. only two. It didn't make it past the second season. Is there not even a third? Wow, then that second season is so wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically the HBIC of all seasons is a woman named Jodie Clamon who just is really a bully and she was found to be, like, selling counterfeit goods in her store. Um, she has a bit of a messy history, but she really was very judgy and she was, like, a, it was really like the pot calling the kettle black when it came to her. Um, and she just had some choice things to say about everyone and their children and the way they live their lives. Lo and behold, a little while later, her daughter is involved in a relationship with, like, this drug dealer who ends up shooting someone. Like, it's a whole mess. So that's why I'm fairly surprised that Jody, who is the only reason I could ever see them wanting to bring housewives back. But that Vancouver Housewives was good. They had like a high class escort on that show. <laughs> they had like a real mix. Uh, you know, the other one as well was Ronnie. Ronnie was like, you know, she was evil, but like her life was also pretty like messed up. She was excruciating. But you know what? That's how I learned about Muskoka. And here's the thing that could happen we could end up finding out about. Harry Hamlin's other life if they shoot in Muskoka because we know that that's where Harry lives, right? So I feel like Lisa Rinna is not going to let this happen. <laughs> My God. 
Okay, well, speaking of not letting things happen, the word on the street is, and it came up in, um, what's his name? Jeff something. Oh, from the real estate shows. He has like a podcast though or something. Around. Yeah, on like Sirius FM Sirius or whatever. FM. Yeah. Um, so the alleged, the alleged, I don't know what, the alleged allegement. I don't know. <laughs> Where <laughs> am I going? The, so the, what's being alleged, that's the better way to say <laughs> What's being Ouch. alleged is that, the so allegation. The allegation. Usually called an allegation. The noun. Thank you. The allegation is that Heather Dubrow is running an active campaign against having Tamara rejoin the Real Housewives of Orange County. And the excuse that's being used is that Tamara has her two T's in the pod uh, podcast, right, which is... Um, Teddy and Tamara talking housewives. And so because they are discussing the behind the scenes of the housewives, which apparently if you listen to this podcast, it's actually really not the case. They do bring on housewives to talk, but it's not actually like exposing production or exposing like, you know, fabricated storylines or anything like that. It's just kind of like talking about, you know, housewives in general, kind of like what we do. I imagine I've never listened to it. But so this is the thing that I was going to say. I was like, let's listen to the podcast, like the podcast expert who, I mean, listen, I think I can count on one hand the amount of podcasts that you've ever listened to okay, but... and you don't even listen to this one. Okay, well, Rate, I'm... review and subscribe. <laughs> well, I am subscribed. Thank you very much. But, <laughs> um, the, well, the point is, look, that Heather is running this campaign not to have Tamara return and that she has the ease of production because apparently the production company that was doing Real Housewives of OC was also doing Botched, which is Terry Jabro's reality show. Yeah. And basically the executive producer of Real Housewives of Orange County like recently quit because of all this drama and called, allegedly, Tamara, Kelly Dodd and Shannon Bedore Storms and was like, Heather is shooting the shots at in production, basically. She's trying to run the show. So I think that this is bullshit. I think it is part of the campaign to keep people interested in the Real Housewives of the OC. I think we're constantly, until Tamara is back, they're constantly going to be dangling her and dangling Vicky as a way to keep people interested. I think at this point, nothing can save the Real Housewives of the OC. Not even, and I, to the point that I don't even think anybody cares about Heather DeBro's scare campaign, if it is true, to get them back. The whole thing is bullshit. It's just a way to keep their names in the headlines. That's it. I really want to see Tamara return. If they're going to do OC, they need to bring her back. I'm sorry, Moshi. I know that is an unpopular opinion with you, but it needs to happen. I just think if she's going to come back, there needs to be somebody who can, like, keep her in her place. Like, somebody needs to keep her in check. This is my whole issue with some of these people that are just, like, 
truly insane <laughs> that there needs to be like a a counterpart for them to keep them in check. But I was also thinking about it today that I think every single housewife should have a shelf life. I think like you get max six seasons and then you need to be gone. Like I'm done with people being on for like 20 hundred years. No, no more. Ooh, unpopular opinion, Moshi. Term limits. The way you say this, like there's like a group of people behind you and you're all like, Okay, the seven against one, Moshi. <laughs> and it's like, Moshi, much, you're the only person who doesn't agree. Much like the US Supreme Court, these housewives can serve for life. Oh, no. oh my God. Not you who didn't remember the word alleged now telling me what the US Supreme Court does. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Term limits. Look, it will never pass Congress, Moshi, but I salute <laughs> you in your cause. That, that was pretty um, diplomatic of you. Thank you. Um, the other uh, word on the street, which um, I guess it, it's a little bit stale at this point, but I really wanted to discuss it, was the Luann and Sonia are getting a spin-off show which is going to be a la Simple Life. Send these women to some, you know, but fuck nowhere town and make them do jobs, basically. Fucking genius. This this is so so to me when I'm like, you have your term limits on your franchise you need to be doing something else afterwards. Definitely stay in the reality universe, but, like, raise your profile. You should be spearheading your own show. Like, the the fact that it's taken this long to get to this point blows my mind. Um, I, I do take that you will be tuning into this one. Of course. This is, like, a no-brainer. I know. How did they not do this sooner? I feel like we've often said that. Yeah, like I feel like we said about really... Sonia and Ramona, though. I refuse to say that I've ever said anything about Ramona. I take, like, just doesn't exist in my world. Roll back the tape. <laughs> it's that US Supreme Court again, rolling back the tape. Okay, Lisa Barlow. <laughs> we're going, no. we're going to have hearings about this. <laughs> Senate committee hearings. But no, like, I, I'll have a filibuster. There you go. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Not the 24-hour-long podcast. That's basically what this <laughs> turns into some weeks. A filibuster. Um, no, but I, I think that this is genius. And I suspect, I mean, it has a lot to do with the fact that they need an income. Um, you know, one thing that I have been seeing a lot, like Luann has really increased her Luann and Friends, the Countess and Friends cabaret show. And the people are really loving it. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? It's like she is, you know, for all intents and purposes, pretty camp. Like, why wouldn't you want to watch? And because you know what, as well, you go to this show and I'm sure you sit there and you think, is this the night where it's going to just turn to shit? And then you're there to witness it, just unravel. Um, Big shout out to Devon, who is a longtime listener and just like an amazing Housewives fan who attended the show 
recently and I had a conversation with Devin and um, there's a portion where Luann like us like does a Q&A and do you know what Devin's question or like statement was going to be? Are you drunk tonight? Well that and you should listen to oh this podcast. You see even just the thought if you guys are just thinking these things we love it even if it doesn't manifest it has to start somewhere. Oh my god! All, all I can think of was I hope that had that been the the, the comment slash question that it was a good week for the podcast. That week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, hundred percent. But I do think that we should put on our bucket list like we need to go and see the Countess Luann and friends. Yeah, we yeah. I want to go to the Bravo Museum when that opens. Surely that's coming at some point. Well, yeah, and it's BravoCon in October. There's so many opportunities. Well, I probably would not be going to that, but yes, let's <laughs> add it to the bucket list. Um, um, I will be watching this Luann and Sonia Simple Life, definitely. Well, let's round out this word on the street. I just wanted to plug that we found out this week that Real Housewives of Cape Town is landing on July 10. Um, Moshi, we have another South African franchise. I mean, look, Africa has been pushing out the housewives. Which they're doesn't necessarily mean that they're good. But they're pushing them out. My comment to you when we heard about this was, I think the women should have been younger. <laughs> I'm surprised, though, that it's taken them this long, like that they did Durban before Cape Town. It's interesting. Um, well, I guess, look, they're, maybe they're trying for a different kind of angle with this one. There's a few more white ladies in the mix. It's Cape Town. Well, yes. <laughs> but, uh, Crystal was from <gasps> Durban, okay? Um, Johannesburg. Jo- no, Crystal originally, I think, was from Durban before she oh, went really? to Joburg. Mm, interesting. Yeah, just a little, just fun fact for the night. Is that fun? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Moshi, let's get into this week's episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. As you said earlier, it's episode six of season 14. Um, Where are we at right now with this? They're kind of like, I thought we were still in New York, but apparently we're not. We're back in Atlanta. We are back in Atlanta, yeah. Um. And I feel like this episode was really this sort of like, it was one of those episodes where it's, it's setting the tone, right, for the rest of the season. Like, because we're starting to watch, like, the alliances, I feel, shift between the women. Like, we're kind of like, there's a bit of movement in the group. Yeah, and I, I will say that I think that New York was the catalyst for a lot of the changes that have come. I think on one hand, New York did a really good job of bringing people together in that, like, despite all the differences, they did so many group activities and there was a lot of discussion, a lot of questionable activities. But at the same time, I think there was a lot of honesty and a lot of conversations that were had in New York and now we're feeling the aftermath of them now that they're back in Atlanta. Can I just ask? You may. I mean, we didn't really discuss this. But (laughs) what was the point 
of wearing. <laughs> I knew you were gonna. I knew it. I knew you wanted to not talk about the vibrating panties. Yeah. What? But why were they wearing vibrating panties? And what was the relation to the thoughts of a coloured man? Like that's my so, only question. There really wasn't. But I think what came out of the fact that there was no relate correlation between the two is that. Candy is just selling, is like sells too much sex and should be selling other things. And this is what I mean by honest conversations <laughs> were had. Okay. I think, you know, I think Candy was held to account in New York. Because it's just like if they were going to one of her candy coated, you know, Dungeon, dungeon. yeah. Yes, I understand why we're wearing the panties. But, like, I don't know. And then did you see that Andy Cohen was wearing the vibrating panties and Marlo was controlling it this week on What's Love Is Life? Oh, my God. That is so, like, look, I'm all about, I actually don't have an issue with the vibrating <laughs> panties and the, the remotes. Like, I'm like, do you, boo? But... It's out of control. Like, Candy's obviously just spruiking a product. They're obviously her latest offering. Um, I think the troubling part for me was that one remote can work on multiple <laughs> panties. I mean, that was because they were too close to each other. It doesn't matter. Like, I, the I, like, if we, if you're not in a polyamorous open relationship where there have been, like, defined things about how a relationship works, you don't just hang out with your BFFs or people who you barely know and have somebody else's partner pressing the remote for your vibrating panties. That's dangerous. It's just very weird. Just the whole context of it was very bizarre. I'm glad that she was called out for the bullshit. Um, so I think, look, the most heartwarming part of this week's episode was definitely seeing this like relationship between Sheree and Marlo. Um, I mean, like, so in New York. <laughs> Sorry. I, I love that you think that this was like this wholesome, beautiful thing only because we know how shady it gets in the end. And I, every time I think about you thinking about this being wholesome, I'm like, okay, talk to me. But that's beautiful to me. <laughs> I think it started off beautiful, but what came out of it was also very beautiful. I did not want to fuck with those two. That's all I'm saying. That is a dangerous alliance. So um, obviously at the end of the New York trip, Sheree goes to Pennsylvania. Um, no, Philly. Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah Philly. And um, she gets stood up by Tyrone and because it's like COVID times she's like outdoors like outdoor seating at this like cafe restaurant she's wearing she I mean she looks fantastic but she is dressed like it is like zero degrees Celsius um and gets stood up and it's a bullshit excuse and I think what I really love is just that like everyone both on the show but also like on the Instagrams, on the blogs, is really rallying around Sheree with all this. Um, you know, everyone's just like, 
you don't deserve this. Like, you 100%. deserve so much more. And then, like, I mean, my personal favourite Moshi was Pet Shop Boy this week on Instagram who was just like, you know, like, we, these women need to stop doing this to themselves because it's just like, why are we waiting for the man in the jail? They're just like, let's not do that anymore. Can I just say what my favourite bit was? <laughs> that they called the episode last week She By Herself. <laughs> The shade of it all. Um, but Marlo is, like, obviously extremely, like, empathetic towards, like, this whole situation and decides that Sheree needs to have, like, a single girl's night and invites Sheree and Kenya over to her house and has, like, this, like, what was it? Fendi, like, private shopper moment. And she's, like, organised all these, like, sweet treats. Um I'm sorry, but it was giving Jen Shah and Heather Gay at the Versace personal shopping experience where, once again, you'll get a shopping experience that you have to pay for yourself, okay? Well, I mean, look, Marlo, I, I don't think she has to pay for Sheree's, like, you know, retail therapy here. Yeah, but Sheree is not, like, popping out dollars like the rest of them, right? And... She ended up like kind of being forced to spend thirteen thousand dollars because it's happening. It's number one being filmed, and like she's been put on the spot. She can't like not buy that stuff now. Like Marlo is out of control. <laughs> um, I think just like you know, before she gets to Sheree's house as well. Just the way, that, sorry, um, to Marlo's house. The way that Sheree is just like at home in her pajamas and eating her Lay's, her sea salt Lay's crisps. Now, Moshi, will you be purchasing them if we can get their, our hands on them in this country? So, Patrizio, if there's one thing you know about me, it's that I'm a chip queen. Yes. And that I have never let borders get in the way of me and a chip flavor. If you want them, I can get them for you. That's all you need to know. But that said, there has never been a more relatable moment on Housewives for me than seeing Sheree pour the chips out at her at the bench and just eat those little chips. I was like, this is literally me every day. <laughs> That's why she needed to be rescued from her house and bought Marlowe's <laughs> to pay for, for fashion that she can't afford. I didn't say she couldn't afford it, but I just said that she got, like, roped into it. Like, maybe it wasn't in the budget for that month. <laughs> bamboozled. Uh, bamboozled is exactly what happened. Um, and then, like, Marlo wanting to know whether the foot massage person, like, can do both their feet at the same time. Like, <laughs> this is not how it works. I just want to, I mean... I think Marlo has been outstanding so far. I love Marlo Patrice Hampton. You were sceptical at the beginning that she was going to be able to bring it, and I'm sorry, every single week she is giving me something that she has never given me before despite being a friend of for 12 years or something. Well, I, I think you summed it up already, and I'm on board now with your thinking on this, is that... She never had the paycheck or the role to be giving us any of this. Like, we didn't deserve it. Production didn't deserve it. Like, you know, if they wanted all of this, they should have made her a peach holder seasons ago. I, if there's one person who exemplifies know your worth, 
it's Marlo Patrice Hampton. She's a fantastic housewife. Like, I'm loving watching her. Like, this whole thing with Sheree was just fantastic because it was just a really beautiful, heartfelt moment where she was just, like, talking. It was, like, and this is why I think the thing we keep going back on this year, I think this was, like, a big, like, aha moment was that when there are no genuine relationships on these shows, it's mm-hmm. just, like, you, it, it's no longer interesting. It's no longer, like, you know, what we care for. But to watch Sheree and Marlo actually have this moment of, like, like sister to sister, like, you do not deserve this. Like, this man is trash. Block him. Do not contact him. Like, it's done. Like, you can do so much better for yourself. I was like, the other yes. thing is that they seem to know where all the be- the bodies are buried pre like old Atlanta. I just think like they know Candy from before and they've never really had an opportunity to be a housewife with Candy this this much. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Because then that's when it turns toxic, which is what you're alluding to, right? Yes, because it the does two turn of them toxic. Have now teamed up together and Marlo is ready to lay bare all of the skeletons. So I also want to give you credit and say that I am now on board fully because you've been saying this from the beginning that Marlo was coming for Candy and I did not believe it. I was convinced it was just Sheree. But now I am seeing that Sheree started it. Marlo saw the opportunity because obviously Marlo is also producing herself and she's like trying to, to steer the focus her way and give us good banter and good shade. And she has found her match in Sheree. But Marlo, I just think, you know what her problem is? I think she just like takes it a little bit too far. She like lays all her cards out a little bit too early in the piece. You got to hold on to some of them. Normally I would agree with you, but the only reason why I'm like, I think it's okay the way Marlo does it is because I think she also lays the cards out about herself. So like she will like go in on some weird rumor about um, Candy, but then at the same time she it's because she can take it. Like she, she'll just as much say something weird about herself and about, where she gets her money from and what she was doing. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's the only reason for me why I'm like she can take it to the other level because to her it's all a joke. So then obviously so Kenya was meant to have come on this like girls night but she does it because like she's got COVID-like symptoms and like basically the, the doctor on production is like, you can't go until we get like a confirmed PCR negative test result. I don't, the way that like Sheree and Marlo, like I get, I get the thought process behind like calling Kenya out for not coming. But at the same time, like this is out of Kenya's control that she could not come to the thing my the crazy thing to me is the fact that she did do glam given that she was going through like covid like symptoms um i think that was wild but i do understand why she was in glam and then didn't attend and i just feel like they were kind of just 
playing the bat up a little bit. So I think, you know, I, I definitely agree with you that they were playing it up. Like they were looking for any opening, but Marlo has also been looking for any opening since the very beginning to get the reaction from Kenya. Do you know what I mean? She's been looking for, she's all producing, she's constantly looking for the spice and she's found something now. And the difference is now Kenya has bitten. Oh, how do you think that's going to end? Not well. Oh, no. I mean, it's going to be, I'm going to be sitting with my chips and watching. Like, it's going to be fabulous for us. And then, like, the weird thing as well is then, like, Drew is in this kind of, like, weird place as well where she's, like, friends with Kenya. I just didn't expect that one to come. Yeah, but also her and Marlo. Yes, but then not Drew and Sheree. Like, it's just, it's all... No, but the shade that Sheree was really feeling for Drew, she's now transferred completely to... Um, Candy, because Drew at least checked in with her when she heard about Tyrone, because Drew learned her lesson last time not to take things to Candy. <sighs> they're yeah. they're agenda, and they're going to be friends with everybody, and it's going to be Kenya and Candy. So it's going to be Kenya and Candy versus like Sheree and Marlo. I think hundred percent, and. I really think with Candy as well, it's this fact of like, and I think we're all feeling it. Like we've said it last season, like what is Candy bringing? Like well, why, why is she coasting? Because she's the mummy, money mummy. Okay. Did you not hear what was said? That was some tea. And, you know, Todd is the, was he the babysitter? <laughs> what, what did Marlo say? The way they went, in. I was like, talk about being jealous, but at the same time also stating facts. And you know how I know that it was facts as well? Because Sheree did that, like, the head. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I think the weirdest thing that they said, and the stuff they said is so harsh, when they said the candy was a bad hoe. <laughs> It's like, it's one thing to have been a hoe because everybody loves a hoe. But when they tell you that you were a bad hoe, like the shit that comes out of Marlo's mouth, you like the best television writers cannot write this stuff. She was a bad hoe, and that's why she has to date below her tax bracket. Correct. Like that, that is like a concept that, like, if this was, I don't think people understand like just how comedic that is and how it's, if it was on a sitcom, like we would be watching that show and it would be winning Emmys for lines like that. And the way that Kenya has dated every rapper, but like not being able to land a single one. <laughs> just, and it's like stuff that is like believable because they they're superstars from the like their their fame started in the nineties. Like it's like they're 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 so entrenched in like this old entertainment sort of history, which is why they're you know that's how they all end up in Atlanta. But it's just <laughs> seeing Marlo and Sheree just like converse in this way and big each other up and agree and like add layers to each other's shade. 
it was toxic and entertaining and I just know that when they were watching that back like war like it is a full-on war so the only person we're sort of missing from this mix at the moment is Sanya how are you feeling about Sanya I mean we're six episodes in at this point what's what's your vibe you know, right at the beginning, I was really excited about Sonia because she was bringing the family, we're getting, I was like, she's accomplished so much. Her husband's accomplished so much. I think they have like a really compelling story. But then after last week and this week, Sonia has now, I just think so. So you, you mentioned that the best thing is when there are genuine relationships formed between the members of the show and so with that the worst thing that you can do is when you turn your back on that friend that created that genuine connection and it seemed like you were genuine friends and Sonia turning on Drew is like so dumb because she's doing it to align herself better she thinks she's going to get in with the other women and to disinvite Drew from an event as well like to me it's it says snobbery it says like you're trying to put yourself above her I'm just trying to think who else has done this on Housewives before and and it has backfired oh it's sort of what Jennifer Aiden kind of does and but Jennifer Aiden does it well I mean I think though as well that Jennifer Aiden like she decided to tie herself to Teresa Judice, which in the grand scheme of things is probably the right thing to do because the show does not exist without Teresa. Whereas like, I don't know, you choosing Candy, but Candy really, it could go either way at this point. No, but when, when that fight was happening at the, the cooking lesson with Sanya's mom, the way they made sure they caught Sanya's head doing the old tennis ping pong, moving from side to side across the table that was so telling because she has put herself in the middle of, of feuds that are historic, right? Feuds that have history. And what has ended up happening is she has shown herself to be so much of an outsider because this is the compelling narrative and she has nothing she can contribute. So to me, she's just a friend of now. Like she had an opportunity to be top tier by just having her own thing and now what she's done is, like, she's completely shut on it herself because these four women are now going to run the narrative and Drew has enough shenanigans going on in her life that we're, that we're going to be into it and she's already aligned herself with Kenya. So I think Sanya has shot herself in the foot. I think my other concern with Sanya as well is that, like, I feel like she's relying really heavily on this whole, like, oh, but wait until Sonia comes, you know, it's very like, you know, she's sort of like ready to pick the fight. And I was sort of like, I don't know if I'm like. Yes, but she picks the fight and she brings nothing. She's not even funny like Sutton. Like Sutton brings nothing to the fight that she says she's going to bring, but it's so dumb that like it's funny. Sonia, it's just like, yeah, you're not at this level. That's what I mean. Like she's just show, she, she shows her ass more than she shows what she thinks she has. I just loved as well. I mean, like the ongoing thing this season is definitely just 
production and the funny sort of little edits and things that they're doing. Yeah. The way that we got the the, the bar chart of um, who has the most followers um, to prove the point as to why Sanya has invited certain people to be models for her swag line for Mummy Nation. I'm sorry, but like we need to also add marketing genius to Marlo's repertoire. She knew that straight off the bat. Like Marlo, like Marlo is clocking fucking everything. And this is the thing, Marlo has clocked you, Sanya. You're fucked. <laughs> I also really loved when um, they did the bat signal, but they used Marlo's head. <laughs> Marlo because she's the bat signal for Fendi. <laughs> the way she has the CEO of Fendi on speed dial. Marlo is just like she's giving everything just it's like she gives so much of that crazy shade but then she also gives us like the palatable like she's it's the right mix patty we don't deserve her i i mean look i could go on about milo for ages but i also just want to say i am loving this like black confessional number that she has going on mm-hmm. like the full the full glove sleeve the long, like, luscious hair. I'm just, like, I'm very into it. I'm into all of her blonde moments. She just, I mean, she's the fashion queen and she's bringing it. Do you know what else really impressed me about Marlo? When they were doing the cooking thing and they had to do the dutty wine. Yes! I'm sorry, but, okay, Marlo the stallion is, like... Her knees, honey, like she went all the way down and kept it moving. The mobility. For somebody who does not exercise, she, the mobility on Marlo, you can't fuck with that. Honestly, like, Marlo, we just, we don't deserve her. We don't deserve her. I wonder what she's going to do to fuck this up for us because we do this every every <laughs> every season of this podcast. No, but always... it's different because we've had years with Marlo. We, we've already put an investment in. And it's paying off. A hundred percent. The return on this My thing is we've already gotten the return on our investment. We love that. Well, Moshi, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk Beverly Hills and Dubai. Moshi, we're back from the break. Hello. Here to discuss um, episode number six of season 12 of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, the Instagram has been blown up because this is episode 250 of the Beverly Hills Housewives. And... Everyone's celebrating. So I thought we could do our own little celebration. And I want to know, what is your ultimate favourite Beverly Hills moment? So it's a toss-up. Slap pig. (laughs) But more just like Brandy, just like swearing at (laughs) Kim and um, Kyle. I have a lot of moments. They all involve... Kim and Kyle or whatever on some on some level. You stole my goddamn house in the limo is fucking iconic. But for me, it's the one that we say to each other almost on a daily basis as a term of endearment. Goodbye, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> 
never true words being spoken. <laughs> For me, there is only one moment that I will do. And again, it is one that is very quotable to me. Like I I talk Were about people doing coke in your bathroom. <laughs> is that what it's gonna be? No, it's the Amsterdam dinner fights. Let's talk about the husband. <laughs> that scene lives rent free in my mind because it is Rina versus Kim Richards and it just all comes out. I mean, look, it's just every single line from that fight is quotable. I'm I'm not I what is oh my god, and then it's so credible, but I have forgotten the quotes. I wanna know about Harry Hamlin. I've had enough of you, you beast. 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 Oh my god. How dare you? <laughs> and I apologize for that, but actually you didn't. <laughs> I'm so, you know what? Having the soap opera queens on the show really changed everything. When Rina first started, she was so good, man. And you know what? I think Eileen was a bit of an underrated housewife. I 100% agree. Um, and, and I think, you know what, to be honest, Real Housewives is just basically a soap opera anyway. So it was a perfect fit for Eileen and Rina to join the show. Uh, but I mean, I just also think like Kathy Hilton's entire season, first season, last season was phenomenal. Um, and I want you to name now your MVP housewife of Beverly Hills. If you could only pick one to go in the Hall of Fame, who's it going to be? You're going to be a bit shocked by this one. <sighs> Carlton. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. But not for the reason that you think. It's more just because she was right about Kyle and none of us listen. <laughs> wow. So you're putting Carlton in the Hall of Fame. Not because she was a great housewife, but because... We did not listen to her and she told us the truth. Actually, and, and I think for me, Brandy Glanville has to be in there. She was just, she shook things up in the best way possible on that show. Who's yours? I, I didn't have to think very long nor hard about this. It's Kim Richards. The way she... you and Chanel Ayan are the same person. <laughs> Moshi, I mean, look, the Housewives franchise almost sent Kim Richards crazy to jail. Uh, it almost killed. She was close to death, allegedly. <laughs> but, like, so many of these iconic moments that you think back to, Amsterdam, Slut Pig, like, it's just, like, it is, it all goes back to Kim Richards. Did you see the episode of Watch What Happens Live with Chanel Ayan on? No, I haven't watched it because you know why? I only watch the YouTubes and they've stopped uploading it onto the YouTube. Oh, okay. So there is a moment where Andy asks her if she watches Beverly Hills because she's on the show with Crystal. And Chanel Ayan was jet lagged and very drunk on this show. <laughs> she brought Andy a present and it was chickens. <laughs> it's phenomenal. And she was just telling everybody that she's like, guys, you need to know that I wasted. And Crystal was just really enjoying her. And so she, they ask her, 
do you watch Beverly Hills? And she's like, of course I watch Beverly Hills. And that's how you know she watches Beverly Hills because Andy was like, who's your favorite Beverly Hills housewife? And she was like, Kim Richards. Like, she did not hesitate. We will talk about Chanel AI very, very soon. But um, let's get into this week's episode of Beverly Hills because I want to talk about Crystal. Um, we are on the Punta Mita trip still. What did you call it? Punta Mita? Punta de Mita, I think it is. They're in Mexico. 100%. And the, the, it's this ongoing drama between Sudden and Crystal... And I just want to ask you this one simple question. Has Crystal concocted this all as a storyline? Because the allegation is, look, I remember the word that time, (laughs) that last season she obviously had a pretty quiet one, not a lot of drama, and so she was kind of told, next season you're going to have to bring it. So this whole thing around Sutton making a dark comment 12 months ago and then now sort of trying to push this feud between herself and Sutton, is this all, is this real? Like, is this just Crystal trying to create something that doesn't really exist? No. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Crystal anymore and it's very confusing to me. So I think it's okay to be confused by Crystal. So I will take you back to Crystal last season and you remember that I was not a fan of Crystal. I wouldn't even say that I'm a fan of Crystal now and that's because Crystal is not a good housewife. She just doesn't have what it takes to be amongst this group of women, right? But here's the thing she's so for me crystal is out of her depth i also think that she's just like too young to be like with these women she's just she she has her own life and she has shit together like she doesn't need to be on this show she's also like for as rich as she is she's also just like way too down to earth but here's the thing is that the reason why she does she's not a good housewife is she got herself in this situation by accident And it was something small that became bigger. And she didn't make it bigger. The rest of the cast made it bigger. And what it was is they backed her into this corner about Sutton and she didn't want to say anything bad about Sutton. And then she inadvertently threw threw Sutton under the bus thinking it was going to go one way, forgetting who she was with and you know, then Garcelle took it and ran with it because her and Sutton are so close, right? So I think that Crystal thought that she was deading a situation and it ended up, like, just blowing up up in her face and this is why I just think she's out of her depth. Do you think she's playing the victim? No. I feel like Garcelle put up a very convincing argument to me as to how... Crystal is perhaps playing the victim in all of this. I don't know. It's just, one, I'm bored of it. I think that's the first thing I want to say. I'm just bored of this whole, like, campaign against Sutton. And I agree with you. So there is a campaign against Sutton, but it's not coming from Crystal. Correct. And and this this is what Garcelle pointed out, right, that 
basically Erica and Rina. No, it was Kyle Richards actually, which was very surprising. Kyle Richards says that it's not actually got anything to do with Crystal and Sutton. It's got to do with Erica and Rina hating Sutton. Correct. They don't like her. And that's why they're supporting Crystal in this moment. Correct. Not, not because they like Crystal as a person. And so Crystal's just, this is again why Crystal is out of her depth because she's being played. But what do you think about this story that all the women know about but only Sutton was like willing to actually bring up? the fact that Crystal had 14 friends that she has somehow managed to lose all ties with. I, I, I suspect that that's true because Crystal didn't deny that there was a situation with a group of friends, but what she did deny is that none of these women actually, or that Sutton doesn't actually know these women. And, and what Sutton does know is hearsay. I think this isn't the first time that we've heard of, you know, society women because that's what Crystal is. And that's why, for me, Beverly Hills is not about society women. Beverly Hills is, like, very much aligned more with tabloids and with television and the entertainment industry, right? And although her husband is from that world, Crystal is a society woman. Uh, I guess oh, I guess that's really dumb for me to say because so is Sutton. But... But Sutton is of a different generation and that's why I think Sutton fits in a little bit more than Crystal does. And this is kind of, I'm, I'm sure, like, Crystal, like, wore the wrong shoes to an event or she stuck up for herself or she called out that something was racist or something and a whole bunch of women have just, like, turned on her. Like, I feel like whatever this issue is with these 14 women not being her friends, it's something really dumb. Because what's the other accusation? The other accusation against Crystal is that she kind of always aligns herself with the richest and most powerful person in the room, which in this case is Diana Jenkins, in my opinion. Yeah, but in this case, I think it's also Crystal. I think she's pretty rich. But is she powerful? No, not amongst these women because these are not her real friends. She, that's what I'm saying. She's, she's, she's not even from the same circle as these women. Do you know what I mean? Like there is no alignment. There's no age. She's not their age mate and she's not from the, their entertainment industry and their history. She's like has her own whole life and she has friends. We see that she has other friends. Is this the beginning of the end of Crystal? Potentially, but she's doing it to herself. I don't think she's doing herself any favors, but I also think that she's really overwhelmed. So I don't think the vict I don't believe that she's playing the victim. I do believe that she's obviously suffering from some sort of anxiety, some sort of stress. Like I, I believe that that is genuine, and I believe that her tears are genuine. I believe that she's really stressed out about what's going on. And it is not helped by fucking Tweedledee and Tweedledum who are going in on her, like, and who are going out of their way to take Sutton down. And so my thing is, I understand why Erica has a vendetta against Sutton. Like, Erica has already basically claimed that she wants to be a bully and she wants to be bitter. Like, let her be that way. But I don't understand, I, I just... 
I don't understand Rinna's blind loyalty for Erica Jane. Like, what the fuck is that about? Does Erica know who the woman is that Harry Hamlin is sleeping to with? Me, there, to me, there is, like, I think Erica knows too much. I just, I don't understand their friendship. I mean, I understand their friendship, but I don't understand why Rinna is willing to lose other friendships for it. You know what I mean? Something's not right. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed Garcelle's observation that I think Erica is deflecting. Um, Obviously she's trying to, she's in everyone's business this season and she's definitely stirring the pot where she probably doesn't need to be. Like, you know, it was an issue between Saturn and Crystal and she got herself very much wedged in between the two of them. Yes, but at the same time, that's exactly what Dory and Kyle do. The only difference is for once they're on the side that we agree with, right? Well, I mean, but again, like you could say that they were also deflecting like from the, like deflecting or perhaps inserting themselves where they don't have much going on personally and they need to be involved. Otherwise they are irrelevant to the show. That's literally the definition of Kyle. Yes. Um, I don't know about Rina. I guess Rina though, Rina also is feuding with Sutton. So maybe like. No, but they've moved on from from it. Like Rina doesn't really hold a grudge. Not in the same way that. Not in the same way that Erica does. For me, it's because Rinna is aligned so much with Erica. And that's the thing that I just don't get. The thing that I don't understand, like, I think Rinna really likes the character that Erica is because, you know, to to Rinna, this is all entertainment. It's a show. And it's just like Rinna is also not a good friend to Erica because she doesn't sit Erica down and, like, help her see when things are not the right way. Instead, she just like doubles down on the things Erica says. Like it's so toxic and fucked, Patrizio. I think that we are going to see a change in that though, because we did get the sort of like that scene in the trailer of I think Lisa Rinna basically saying to Erica, you can only do antidepressants or alcohol. You can't do both at the same time. And we see in the, um, what is it like the preview for next week, that I think this is like now going to be the start of Erica's like spiral. Um, well, you know, I don't know. It, Brina, she, she's divisive and she's controversial, and I know she likes it. It's just for me that like she's not genuine. She's just she's acting the whole way through, and she's you know aligned herself specifically with Erica for whatever reason, just like to the point that she's just like when Erica was, I just always go back to, and I will never be able to shake this when Erica made the suggestion that there's even a possibility that the alleged victims could be making up their story. And Rina was like, "Mm -hmm." for me, that is one of those moments that I will never be able to shake and it is going to shape the way I look at them forever on this show. You know, word on the street is that Erica is fighting in the courts not to lose those diamond earrings. Yeah, she's saying they were like, uh, I saw this thing where it was like, it was like an insurance replacement or something, that they were a replacement, then they're, they're not part of this. But did you also see that she's been sued for taxes that she owes? Like, 
There's so many things. I'm sorry. And even after this episode, can we just talk about the glam of it all? Well, first of all, like the way that, I mean, look, I think Garcelle has really benefited from having a stylist in the glam team because her looks this season. A hundred percent. Her wigs are so much better. Everything, everything yes. has, upped, has upped the game. But I don't think that everyone needs glam and Erica cannot afford glam. But I mean, I will say though that it was her personal assistant touching her up. So obviously they ha- she's cut back quite a bit. I agree, but uh, so I actually have no issues with Erica with Eric. So once again, I think my issue is more with Erica's behavior. I'm not saying that she has to behave a certain way. Like I'm happy for her, but it's the way that she continues to double down and to just sort of talk about, like, I get it, you know, being presentable is an art form, but like at this point, how have you not, and, and doing make doing makeup at the level that she gets it done and those sorts of things, like that is fucking art. Like what those people do, they deserve every freaking penny. Like it's phenomenal. Um, but it's just like, what for? Like, why, why are you holding on to this thing? Like, I just don't get it. Well, I think she's holding on to it because, you know, that's the, obviously the one thing she doesn't want to give up. And, you know, I think if, when you've lost everything, you know, I guess she doesn't care about the jets and the boats and the, and the house in Pasadena and all the rest of it. What she does care about is having someone do her glam and, you know, turn out a look for her, you know, it's not possibly our first choices if we were to, you know, have to cut back I, our budgets. I, I would keep the glam. <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting that the Kyle and Crystal don't have glam. Kyle trying to iron her outfit. And can I just say, you know, I don't like Kyle and I generally hate everything that Kyle wears, but that green jumpsuit she wore is like the best thing she has ever worn. I love the colour. I mean, I love the feathers. The feathers. The fit. For me, it was the fit. Well, I guess Kyle, has Kyle ever really been a glam girl? Like, I don't really know. And Crystal obviously is very down to earth and she is doing this, you know, humble maiden palm springs outlet stores and But I think that that is who she really is. Yeah, I know it is, but they were made in like shoes. No, now that's a completely incorrect reference. Um I I want to know what do you think about Sutton? Do you think she's a really terrible bone collector because I mean She's the one that, like, tends to always sort of say, I've heard this thing and I'm going to say it. And everyone at the table's like, in, or in the confessionals are like, I heard it too, but, like, good for Sutton for bringing that up. I just think, once again, Sutton does, it's not even just about bone collecting. She just doesn't know how to do reads. Like, she she just doesn't know how to, to talk, walk the walk. She can talk the talk, but when she gets put in a situation... We see at time she didn't even know how to say ground zero. Like this woman, she just gets so flustered and so nervous that when the time comes to get the one-two punch in, she can't do it. The difference is, unlike Crystal, Sutton is so humble and so quirky. And you know what Sutton always does? 
she fucking apologizes like real apologies no one in housewife history does a real apology and Sutton every episode she apologizes and it's fabulous yeah and I mean I I think it's interesting that like for her everything is it's about her reputation right she doesn't yeah. want she doesn't want people thinking that she's racist. She doesn't want people thinking that she's rude or, you know, mean to people. Well, she's raised her hands for those right, listening you've at just, home. You've literally just pinged something in my head. And I just want to go back to the crystal of it all. So number one, one of the things that's happened this week is that I believe crystal. And I do believe that some really dark stuff was said last season and I even think the retelling and the playback video that we got last week of what Sutton said was awkward and gross and while it was well-intentioned it came out wrong but I think I shared with you this week that her daughter's ex-best friend who happens to be of Asian descent basically said confirmed what Crystal had said or rather that while, well, rather basically confirmed that she is somebody who doesn't see colour. I am an unapologetic slut for Sutton. But it's also because you're racist, so that's okay. (laughs) And I have a long history of being a Real Housewives apologist. (laughs) for the true trash of these franchises. No, but I think the difference is with Sutton is that she's just, so my thing is that I believe Sutton corrects her behaviour, right? Well, I would, I'm going to take it one step further and I'm going to say that I honestly don't think because of how we see Sutton react and how she like says things that she probably shouldn't, I honestly don't believe that the intention is there to be racist. But also the incident that happened that she's talking about with the swimming, it happened many years ago. And I think that Sutton has changed. Uh, So number one, people can change. And my issue is with housewives who never change or refuse to see the error of their ways. And once again, the reason why I am consistently just like, not really offended by Sutton because I too am a slutty for Sutton. She just apologizes and she learns from everything that she does. And I do believe that she puts her money where her mouth is. Like she would actually donate because she fucked up. Do you know what I mean? Like I just think she's a decent person. Yeah, I agree. I like it's, it's really a boring thing, but yeah. Because we're sluts for Sutty. I just want to say it one more time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Diana Jenkins. <laughs> oh my god! Did you know about this whole twenty-three book and no. accusations against her that she was an international madam? No, and you know that I did do a Diana deep dive, so I think she's done a good job of getting this scrubbed from the internet. Oh, she—I mean, she is rich. I don't know if you know this, but she is rich. Patrizio, I think I told you earlier today that I had an epiphany whilst watching this episode. And, you know, I'm prone to having epiphanies <laughs> where I see things that other people might not see with these wives. And 
not only is she rich, but I think her job on earth is to be a thought leader around rich whiteness. She just imparts insights. That's all she does, insights. We learn and we grow. I honestly, when is she going to bring anything? Go on, girl, give us nothing. That's all I think about Diana. Yeah, but she gives us crumbs and I'm okay with it. Like, I just like her thought leadership on life. He's also paying for the Jets. If they don't have her on the show, nobody else can afford to pay for the Jets. I mean, that's why Erica loves her, because she's paying for the lifestyle that Erica once was privileged to. And Erica doesn't have to sleep with her. But I think she would. I think if the if the offer was there, Erica would jump on it. Do you know what my question is? Like, talking about Diana giving us nothing, there is a whole scene where all the women are together. Half of them are surfing, Half of them at the shops. And where, where the is, fuck is Diana? <laughs> we just see her coming out of the water like she's just been swimming laps of the ocean. What was going on? Like, where is she? Well, as we know, she doesn't go shopping. No. Got and it. I don't take her as a surfer. So she clearly just said, fuck this, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. Who has been able to ever do that to production? Well, I mean, look. There must be something, there has to be something coming for them to have kept her on. Because they didn't even, like, do a film, a little clip and just show us her. Like, we didn't need to see the women continuously failing to surf. Where was where were they going to cut to whatever she was doing? Like, I don't know what's going on, but it's wild. But you know what the worst thing is? She's aligned herself with Erica. Ooh. Oh my god, that little love affair, little kiss across the table. I was literally Garcelle also like dry reaching. That to me, because she, and she's already decided that she doesn't, she's not gonna like Sutton. And Sutton goes off at her, right? Like that is the kiss of death. But I also like uh, Sutton and Diana to me are not natural friends. No, definitely not. Did you like Diana's other confessional look with the shorter hair? The, the pink, like... The boobs. I know you saw the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was... The, the, that was the pink I was referring to. I, I know. You just talked about the... She did look a bit more pink in that. Even her cheeks were pinker. It was very, like, I don't know, like, baby doll. I'm sure it's some reference to someone yeah. in history. A bit Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I, she, I think she's also doing, like, just only wearing Balenciaga. This Like, her and Kim. They're just wearing Balenciaga. Um, yeah, th- look, gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> yeah, but and thought leadership. <laughs> look, just give us nothing. Diana Jenkins giving us nothing week after week. I'm glad that what, she, like, I'm glad that she, like, was paying attention long enough to scream at sudden in this episode, like... That's the feud that we needed. But um, also, like, leave Sutton alone. Yes. Well, especially when it's, like, it's actually got nothing to do with, like, her own personal relationship with Sutton. It's just got to do with the fact that she's aligned herself with Erica. And she doesn't like the way Sutton speaks. Like, that's purely it. But anyway. I mean, but I kind of love that. (laughs) Same. (laughs) 
Um, all right. Well, Moshi, if that's all we've got on Beverly Hills, let's talk about the real Habibis of Dubai. <laughs> I love that. The real Habibis of Dubai. That's beautiful. I know. That's what it should have been called. Um, <laughs> we're up to episode three. Moshi, I am loving it. Yeah. Once again, to me, it's the looks. I know we often talk about Erica Jane's looks, but I think for me it's just seeing these black women who are, I want to also point out that I think like the age demographic is a little bit different, like Lisa is a bit younger and cool or whatever, but like just seeing these women show up to just like lunch with like, like Chanel Ayant has given us a different hair, different look every frame. She definitely came into filming and was like, I'm serving a different wig in every scene. Yeah, but you know what that's done is it's made Lisa now elevate her look. Whenever she you knows she's going to be on camera with Chanel, she's like, I'm upping my game. And I was really down for the um, Wakanda forever is what she referred to it, luncheon that happened with my sisters on Dubai. It was beautiful. <laughs> I but I was Brooks. I was like, oh really, Wakanda, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course we're, we're of course we're doing it. Does she not know these women? I I just yeah. To me, there's just I, I just think from a looks perspective, they're fabulous. But I also think there are people on this show. This this show is also a show about nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know what, though? I think it's a show about nothing, but at least these women know each other. They yes. are involved in each other's lives. And um, I'm kind of loving watching the downfall of Caroline Danbury. Which is, of course, what it was going to be. Once again, I think we can all admit that Caroline Danbury is very boring. And if she did not have this feud with Chanel there would be nothing to watch. That she has now extended to Lisa Milan by proxy, basically. By proxy, which has brought me to the situation where Brooks, I'm I'm not a fan of Brooks. Ooh, okay. Talk to me about this. Because Brooks is in is the one who is feeding the okay, so here's my thing. I feel that I understand why Caroline doesn't like Chanel. Like they're just because she she doesn't like Chanel just because Chanel is over the top, right? Like that that's that's the whole reason Caroline Stanbury doesn't like her because she just has made a judgment against her. And Caroline is always like this. She was like this on Ladies of London. If she thinks you're a certain way, she is going to be so much the opposite way around you in a way to make herself seem better because she's not loud, she's not showy. It is what it is. Um, but Brooks is the one who is deliberately going back and feeding the information to Caroline. Like she is feeding this shade, this situation, when the truth of the matter is that if their powers combined, Caroline and Chanel Iman, and it was one of those things where it's like we're opposites but we work to, we can work well together because I work in a different way than you work in a different way, if their powers were combined, they would be running Dubai. Mm. 
And I, I just think Brooks, I think Brooks is also really jealous because I think Brooks is quite loud and she is that energy and she's just not at the level of Chanel. Like I love that she, the way Chanel loves herself is just amazing. And I mean, episode three, to see her in her business Barbie suit, you know, upselling her models. Like we now know she runs a modeling agency and that she was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that story that, um, Lisa told about the two modeling agencies about how they met the two and one modeling agency she was Chanel and the other modeling agency she was Ayan and Lisa thought she was getting two black models and they, they were both her I was like of course that's what's ha- that's what happened like this woman is so smart she's so smart and you know what I thought of in that moment? I was like, and here is the origin story. Yes, 100%. And their friendship, I think, is beautiful. Is it perhaps a little bit toxic because they are t- so together? 100%. But I also think the thing about Chanel Ayan is that as much as she's over the top and crazy, blah, 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 I think she talks the talk and walks the walk. I think she is this is exactly a hundred percent who she is. I don't think that like, like a Jen Shah, I don't think we're going to be seeing the FBI like arresting her. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I I know I'm probably going to regret that, but I feel confident to say it. I think that she is, she's had to fight so much for what she wants and she also knows what she wants and she's about her business. And I just think, yeah, I just think she's living her best life and other people can't ha- handle it. Do you think, though, that she's giving, I mean, this is already episode three, and I will give her props because I feel like we are getting the backstory, we are getting the layers of the onion, as you often yes. reference, but is she doing too much, too early, too, like, and just just too because I feel like what like it's a little much. It's too strong. And like, what is she gonna have next? Like, I feel like by if this is like a ten episode season, because that's generally what a first yeah. what a first season of a franchise will get. Like, are we gonna get to the end of season one and kind of be like, well, I kind of know everything now. Like, everything is sort of like, where can we go from here? Well, no, because she's going to get really famous and she's going to get bigger and better. Like that's kind of what happened with Nini, right? Is that Nini is the force multiplier to quote the king of reality TV, Carlos King. And some people genuinely have X factor, right? And Chanel Ayan is somebody who has genuine X factor. And so people like that, this is just another platform for her because what she does is she takes what she's given and then she uses it to elevate herself. Whereas somebody like Caroline Stanbury is just so happy with the status quo, like any excuse to not work. Do you know what I mean? Chanel Ayan is willing to put in the work. So we're going to see Chanel, like she's going to be like, I want to take my modeling career to the next level. We're going to see her walking at New York Fashion Week. And that's going to be a storyline. Do you get what I mean? Like she is going to be taking herself and making herself more compelling and just growing her brand. Did you see there was a blind item about one of the real housewives of Dubai? 
No. But they are not as rich as they say they are. They live in a sketchy part of Dubai and that they are just like kind of like not who they say they are. And in fact, we have not seen inside this housewife's house as evidence for this. Are you think are you saying Brooks? I'm saying Chanel Ayan, allegedly. Oh, do you think? Well, you know, good for her. She's a hustler. <laughs> what? What the hustler? No, but I mean, but but she's about to be that rich. Also, I, I don't understand how she could live in Dubai for this long and not have some money. I mean, yeah, like, but I guess that's the whole thing. It's sort of like, you know, she's giving, she's giving off, like, it's a bit of like an Erica, you know, super glam, but where's the money coming from? We haven't seen her house. We've seen every other housewife's house, but we haven't seen hers. Good good point. Well, yeah. I mean, she's not, but. She's not but, living in the Burj Khalifa. I don't know if you know that, but. Um, Yes, one of them has lived in Burj Khalifa. Before. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard that that was that that was something that happened. To be honest with you, the fact that I haven't noticed that she doesn't need it. As you said, I mean, I think somebody else on the blind item that commented was basically like Nini also didn't live in like the nicest part of Atlanta before Housewives. And that's what you're supposed to, but this is the thing. So this is where I'm always like, people who have been given things, they don't know how, like that's why they're not compelling. But when somebody is willing to put in the work because they're trying to elevate their status, and I want to point out the difference here is like, Chanel Ayan isn't like living off her husband, you know, in the same way that what we saw from Erica Jane. And once again, there's actually nothing wrong with that. I actually think if you're in that position, good for you. Um, but what I'm seeing for Chanel Iman is somebody who is coming to work and doing their job. I mean, she's coming to work, doing the job, bringing the presents. Bring the presents, the lemons this week. With- if you brought me lemons, we're besties. It's not even just that she brought the lemons. It was the pot on the head for me. Oh, because she knows how to make an entrance and she's, like, giving you full African Barbie, like... I loved it. I loved it. I'm from the village, look at my posture. Like, come on. Come (laughs) on. I... You know what my my question to you is, though? Are you surprised that Lisa Milan still has the goat? (laughs) Once I found out there was a panther on the loose, yes, I was surprised. I, I, I knew that she still had the goat, though, because it was mentioned on the Watch What Happens Live episode. I just was like, so, you know what? Because in the last episode, we didn't discuss it um, last week, but she gets Lisa Milan gets given the goat by Chanel Yarn, and... The goat escapes mid-dinner. <laughs> and we honestly, I thought that was the end of it. And because you know what I would have thought if I was Lisa, I would have been like, oh, it escaped. Let it go. Yes. <laughs> like, it's gone now. Good luck. I hope it's okay on all the rest of it. But then there was also like an out, like a one of those like cut scenes at one point where the goat was in Lisa's backyard at one point. And then when they confirmed that they like had like, 
found the goat through the Facebook community group of their <laughs> like of their estate. I, it was just it was a lot. It was just I was very surprised that Lisa hadn't found a way to make this goat disappear. No, because it's funny. Like, and she's got her kids. It keeps them entertained. How long do you think they'll have the goat for? Is this like a pet forever? And, until they donate it to some exhibit, like it's fine. Cook it and turn it into a curry. A hundred percent. That coat, that goat though, was like a designer goat. What do you mean a designer goat? Like it just it. You know. Okay. So there's obviously another goat on Housewives, which is the goat of Miami, who like looks like he like lives on a farm, whereas. This goat looked like he was raised in the Burj Khalifa. You know what I mean? Like he just—he was not dishevelled. His coat was shiny. It was beautiful patches. Like he looked like a designer goat. Maybe we need to have like a real housewives ultimate girls trip of just like all the really eccentric housewives. Like get Julia from Miami, get Chanel Yarn from Dubai. Like, and they can no. just call goats. No, it's cancelled. Okay, um, I mean look. Lisa Milan held her fashion show for her brand, her maternity wear brand that's turned, like, everyday wear. Stanbury refuses to attend because basically she's taken offence to Lisa sticking up for a yarn. I didn't even miss Stanbury, though. And I think, you know what, this is like that trope, right, where it's like you think you're, you think you're proving a point by not coming but in fact, we don't miss you. And then we realise that you are not needed on the show. Honestly. And watching her and her husband and just her kids at home, not really compelling. I thought you were going to say in their fake relationship. I was, but I just said, I paused and said her husband. I think that the tea that was spilt was her daughter, Yasmin. I think we learnt the truth from her daughter Yasmin about that relationship. He's another child. He like Yaz was not holding back. I you know what? Well it was interesting because I'm like, I I can't even identify with Yasmin in the sense of like so many times on these housewives, we're always like, wow, how these kids have grown up. Like, you know, the Judice girls, for example. Mm. You're like, wow, I remember them from season one. And then you see GR. And, like, who was it? Gabriella, like, graduated oh. this week. And it's like, wow, like, I remember her, like, when she was a child. And now she's, like, an adult, basically. Ladies of London, like, Caroline Sandry was on the show, but the way that she, like, doesn't want to be a mother, so we never saw her kids. So I actually don't even remember Yasmin from Ladies of London. I think we only meet Yasmin when she comes back from boarding school. Oh, is that why we don't meet her? Because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of vaguely remember the twin boys. Yes, same, only because they were younger and they have, like, a birthday party. But, look, I think the thing, like, Caroline Stanbury is not very enigmatic she is she just lives a real lady of leisure lifestyle and good for her she loves her lifestyle but she's been really fortunate like her kids are at an age now where they're like super independent like and that's I think you know I would have gone to boarding school if I could have like I think it does make you very you know independent she's her daughter is very smart her daughter is very confident in speaking her mind 
you know, I mean, these are all good things. And Caroline just like, she, she just finds it all quite amusing, right? But I think that in and amongst the kernels of what her daughter is saying lies some stuff that's pretty dark. Oh. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's a very, like, interesting relationship. I'm ex- well, I'm excited to see next week's episode because we know that Sergio and the ladies the with Chanel and Lisa seems to become quite chummy and Stanbury is not having it. And we that's this is the moment where we get to see the real Caroline Stanbury and I can't wait. Um, I mean, Caroline Stanbury as well, I mean, talking about Lady of Leisure influencer, she ha- takes Brooks to this, like, day spa place for like where she's basically the face of and gets like I, I, I don't know if she gets this the surgical treatments for free or not I felt there was like an implication that because she's kind of the face that she's getting some like Botox for free. she said that she gets paid to get them and I'm like you're not getting paid well I guess you're getting I guess like it's all around about right she probably pays the for the procedures and then is also being paid to be like a model so I was actually thinking that I wouldn't be surprised if she is like um, uh, investor. I just think she has an investment in the company and she just gets kickbacks. I, I don't, this is going to sound really horrible. I don't think, I don't think Caroline Stanbury is, I think she's a beautiful woman, but I don't think she's the beautiful that she thinks she is. And I love the, the confidence that she has. Um, like when she said, you know, I just get paid to be beautiful. And I was just like, hmm, okay. Well, she gets paid to be someone's ideal of beauty. Correct. Um, she, I mean, I think beauty is probably at least 50% confidence anyway. So good for 100%. her. 100%. Okay, words of wisdom with Patty. Um, you know, good for her for thinking that. But I really loved how Brooks was like, well, if you want to talk about plastic surgery, forget Carol Sandbury. It's Sarah that you got to look at. So my question to you is, because the way Brooks said it, it was like, she was like, I'm asking her who she's getting her plastic surgery from. But at the same time, it was also like, because I think Brooks is the shadiest. And at the same time, it was like Brooks being like, mm-hmm, let me tell, let me take you down this road. I, I can see what you're saying, but I also believe that Sarah is the kind of girl who would be 100% upfront with yes. whatever surgical procedures she's had, who to go to and all the rest of it. I don't think she would have any issues with it. So even if there was shade intended, I don't think it would have been taken that way by Sarah. I mean, what a transformation is all I have to say. Well, I think she only just had a nose job. I think she's obviously had, you know, a nose job. She's had fillers and Botox and, you know. So there's a few things about Sarah that I really want to know. So we know that, like, she's been married three times or twice, but her son said three times last week. And then this week we found out about all of her businesses. 
And she spoke a little bit more about the way she dresses being that, uh, you know, it's conservative is just for her, it's a way of life. It's not anything to do with her religion. And I really loved that thing where she says her, she carries like her religion in her heart. Like I was just like, that's exactly it. I think she nailed that on the head. But like I, I, I'm often concerned about people that have so many jobs, you know? <laughs> You know what I'm really worried about? I'm worried about in the current economy, how Nina and Sarah are doing, given that they are huge investors in crypto and NFTs. Well, so I have a feeling that Nina's husband sold a lot of his like Bitcoin before the crash. It's like he was an early adopter who made really rich and he's now obviously invested all of that. So they're going to be fine. I and the blockchain, so. you know, give it like three more months and it'll be back up there. Something will happen. We'll be The mines will be back open in Russia and we'll be okay. <laughs> Not the mines in Russia. <laughs> um, I am actually really loving Sarah. I think I she it. is the underdog. Like, I feel like she's going to really come out of nowhere and surprise us. Um, she's hiding something though, Patrizia, and I need to know what it is. I mean, I think we're going to find out or get closer to the truth as the season goes along. How do you feel about her friendship with Chanel Ayan? Even on Watch What Happens Live, Chanel Ayan had nothing but good things to say about Sarah. And I sort of feel that Sarah isn't involved enough with the women. So that's why I'm, I'm like, why are you not involved enough? I feel like that's where I'm like, she's hiding something. Um. Well, I think that... First of all, I feel like, I feel like Sarah was like thinking at the beginning, like I'm going to get to the bottom on why a yarn is so triggered or was so yeah. triggered at that dinner. Right. She's like, I have all this experience. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to figure it out. And I think Ayan not only shocked Sarah, but she also shocked me in that I think clearly Ayan has had a lot of therapy, a lot of really good therapy, and she was able to say exactly, like, what the trigger was and, yeah. like, relate it back to her childhood and all the rest of it. And I think in that moment, Sarah was like, okay, you're not just this, like, eccentric, like, crazy woman who's just, you know, because I think Sarah, that was probably her first impression of Ayana. It's kind of like, okay, you're just going to fly off the wall and just like go crazy and start screaming and all the rest of it. Right. But I think they're kind of connected on that sort of like that higher level. And yeah. I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be the Chanel Ayan Stan apologist and all the rest of it, but Nina flip flopper. Yeah. Flip Nina's flopper. a flopper. You know, C Caroline Stanbury, useless um brooks. <laughs> brooks like i don't know i don't know what's going on there but again she's yet yeah, shady and like you know sort of playing everyone against each other so i think sarah possibly can see that ayan's like a good person and you know they vibe and it's about energy smashing it's all that about energy. i think i was just gonna say you hit the nail on the head when you said they vibe either way i still think that there is some deep mysteries to sarah and that she's hiding something in a weird way. Like she's hiding something in plain sight. Oh my God. Now I'm going to be watching every scene with her with my magnifying glass. hundred percent. And so you should. 
Well, Moshi, I think that brings us to the end of another episode. As always, everyone can like, review, and subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. What did I say? Like, review, and subscribe. You're giving me, Rina, was I whistling? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can like us on the Instagrams at From the Low Level Pod. Correct. Give us a follow. And then we come back and we do this all again next week. Um, we are getting closer and closer also to Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip number two. Mm, the ex-wives club. I mean, did you see the preview of the fight between Taylor Armstrong and Brandy Granville? Iconic. I think it's going to be a mess and I'm here for it. 100%. All right, Patrizio, until next week. Au revoir. Au revoir.